Hi, my name is Quanice Floyd. And I'm Peter Dayton. Welcome to the Embrace Podcast. A program of the Embrace series, which is a partnership between arts education in Maryland schools and the Maryland State Department of Education Fine Arts Office. This podcast will examine the human side of arts education and is an opportunity to highlight arts educators from around the state of Maryland. During each episode, we will interview an arts educator to talk about their journey. Each interviewee will be facilitating a workshop as a part of the Embrace series. Our guest today is Lacey Shepard. She's an MC3 roster artist and arts integration teacher specialist for Anne Arundel County Public Schools. She is facilitating Gratitude and Movement, an Embrace session for Maryland's Creative Teaching Force on Wednesday, April 29th from 2 p.m. to 2.45 p.m. Lacey, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So if um, if you could define your own creative practice, um, obviously it has it, it relates to dance. So can you tell us more about your work and how you would define it? Absolutely. Um, so as an artist, I'm really interested in creating work that tells a story or addresses a social issue. Um, that narrative component um, is really important to me. I want the piece to mean something and I want it to make a statement. I'm really drawn to work that makes us reflect on humanity and challenge. It challenges us to really think about the role that we as individuals play in the topic of the piece that's choreographed. I think that's also one of the many reasons why I'm such an advocate um, for arts integration in schools, because it encourages students to be reflective in that same nature through engaging in a creative process. So for me, um, artistic work is really reflective. And I think that in turn, then in an education setting just makes the learning more relevant and meaningful for the student. Hmm. That's that's a lot to digest there, especially um, the way in which arts integration similarly uh, is is about engaging in the arts in a, in a meaningful way from the side of the, the craft of that particular art, but also uh, allowing it to be a conduit or, or complement to a non-art subject mm-hmm. that enhances learning in both areas. Mm-hmm. And so I guess there's a, a correlative there to what you were talking about of, of social messages or of a purpose-driven piece. Absolutely. So what could we learn about your arts education background or even just your approach to movement? Uh, is there a particular uh, school of dance that you've found particularly inspiring or that informs your work a lot? Uh, what is What would a piece look like in movement? So I always start with journaling. I know that may sound a little weird, but for me, um, that's where I kind of gather my thoughts and my inspiration. I'm really inspired by spoken word poetry. Um, I think there's something so um, impressive about the raw emotion that spoken word pieces um, present. And I think the same can be same the same for a dancer when they're performing on a stage. Um, so I think the poetry and the spoken word piece is a really big um, inspiration for me. And I start with journaling a lot and then I kind of collect my ideas. And from there, it just evolves to a single singular tableau um, or a pose. And then it evolves to a short phrase and I just expands on it from there. Um, so I really like the idea of like progressively building choreography so that it aligns aligns with a theme 
for a topic. And I'm sure the people who have been uh, participating in other Embrace sessions will immediately harken back to the first one, Michael Bell's on visual journaling and using that as a way to document your creative process. It's really interesting to hear about the complement in a way of spoken word poetry. If we were to view the art of dance from a very institutional background, it's the place where talking doesn't happen. It's all about talking with the body. So to take an interdisciplinary approach where uh, do you present pieces with spoken word uh, happening or is it sort of the spoken word is presented or made available and then people uh, are given a different window into the emotional experience of the poem based on the movement? A little bit of both. I think um, I've choreographed pieces where it's performed um, simultaneously with spoken word. And I think those as an audience member are always appreciated because you are hearing the message and seeing it simultaneously. And I think there's a time and a place for that kind of work. And then I also think there's a time and a place to use the spoken word just as the inspiration that really drives just the movement so that the choreography is truly speaking um, on its own. So I think both are definitely appropriate and I love working in both platforms, if that makes sense. <laughs> It absolutely does. So how did you uh, become involved in the arts in the first place? What sparked your passion for creating or what's the Lacey Shepard origin story? Well, um, I became involved in the arts because my mom literally forced me into every possible childhood extracurricular activity. I did piano lessons, dance classes, cheerleading, Girl Scout soccer, baseball, you name it. And I probably did it. Um, but then in fourth grade, I decided that, you know, I really wanted to focus primarily on dance. I found myself, you know, doing pirouettes in the outfield at my baseball games instead of actually playing. And so I thought to myself, like, this is my calling. And, you know, I just never stopped dancing. With some past interviews, we've talked about the importance of parental support. This sounds maybe more like uh, uh, firm parental guiding. I think my mom really wanted me to experience everything that was out there. I think so often we see children who are not pigeonholed, but it's, you know, the parent participated in this sport growing up. And so they want them to do that as well. And I think I was really fortunate that my mom wanted me to experience everything and then make my decision on what was going to be my focus, you know, when I had the opportunity to know about it. So I'm very grateful that I was able to dabble in everything and then make my own choice. Access to those opportunities is so important. Mm -hmm. So you said I picked up on extracurriculars. How much of your ability to explore arts and creativity uh, was positioned inside of the school and through your educational upbringing? So all of my formal dance training was done at private dance studios. Um, since the public schools I attended didn't offer dance as part of their curriculum. So um, I was very, again, I was very fortunate. I had the family support to pursue formal dance training. And I'm not sure where I would be as an artist without that training. Outside of that training, I did have some wonderful opportunities in school that really have shaped who I am today as an artist, an arts educator, and an arts advocate. Would you mind sharing one of those with us? Yeah, I mean, I think they mostly align with specific teachers I had. So um, the I would say the entire faculty at the Towson University Department of Dance really prepared me for a career in the arts and help shape who I am as an artist. I only have the most positive things to say about my experience in the program. But looking at my K through 12 experience, I would say that my high school music teachers, specifically Carl 
and Matt Barr and James Crayley really showed me how to become a well-rounded artist. And they made me challenge myself. I think a lot of times dancers will claim, oh, I'm just a dancer. I'm not a singer. Um, but because of them, I found myself taking, you know, as many music classes as I can and being involved in all of the music and theater performing groups. And suddenly I wasn't just a dancer. And I really have to give them all of the credit for showing me how all of the arts are so intrinsically connected. And, you know, when I think back to my elementary school experience, kind of where it all started, um, I have one teacher who I think the experiences in her classroom really drive a lot of the work that I'm doing now in arts integration. You know, I don't have a lot of memories of elementary school, but I definitely remember Miss Frim's fourth grade class. I remember we were given this writing assignment and the group that I was working with decided that we wanted to write a play. And she gave us that creative freedom to do so. And we took our script so seriously. We coordinated costumes and props and I was so invested in that little play, but more importantly, I was invested in the learning that was taking place. And to me, it just shows the importance of engaging students in the arts, in an arts classroom, but also in a non-arts classroom as well. And I think teachers can play a really important role in the artistic journey of their students, whether they're an arts educator or not. The learning that's taking place, we really are making these connections for students throughout the day. And I think that's really important. And maybe maybe one of the, the advantages, um, Ames uh, helps to host the Arts Integration Conference that happens at UMBC annually. And, and we, we uh, are big champions of the benefits of arts integration. And one of the, one of the things that maybe arts integration allows us to see is, is that subject area learning is, is important, but in, in some ways what, what arts integration can offer is mentalities of learning and that those mentalities that manifest in the different subjects can, can apply beyond this specific lesson or this specific um, unit, but, but become a way of, of comprehension of dissection analysis and synthesis. Absolutely. So thank you again so much for sharing about your own educational background in the arts. We were talking before we started about one of your children. I'm sure this is a very stressful time right now in terms of managing managing a day, not just with your own workload, but then also uh, engaging your kids since they can't be in school. Let's, let's go back to before COVID-19 briefly. And uh, I'm just curious about the access that, that your kids have in their school to arts education. Mm-hmm. So I have two little boys. Um, they're ages four and one and a half. Um, they both. Wow, go- congratulations. Thank you. Yep, we're busy. <laughs> well, that's an understatement. But um, both of my kids uh, go to an in home daycare. So while they're not okay. officially in the Maryland public school system yet, they definitely have access to arts throughout the day. That was something that was really important to me when my husband and I were interviewing um, at daycare facilities. And I know our child care provider has designated times each day for art and dance, music and storytelling. Um, you know, and I love when I pick my son up at the end of the day and he's just so excited to show me what he made. And I think the arts and creative play are just naturally how our youngest learners really learn. Mm. And I really love just being able to see them grow through those experiences. So how, um, at least with your, with your four-year-old son, uh, how, how are you using the arts now in terms of keeping, keeping him engaged 
uh, with learning uh, or possibly just, uh, you know, keeping him engaged with activities. Mm-hmm. Well, first, I have to give a huge shout out to all the parents who are working from home simultaneously while parenting and educating their children. It's definitely not a small task and we will get through this. <laughs> um, so I want to say that before I go into what we've been doing, because I think um, it's just important to know that we're all doing the best that we can. Um, but in my house, we spend a lot of time dancing and singing to online videos. Our current favorite is the alphabet hip hop. It's a good one. You should YouTube it and check it out. Um, sure. We'll provide a link in the description. <laughs> we've also been doing a lot of painting and working with different kinds of materials. He's really hands-on and is just really interested in um, you just creating things. Um, we have been reading like we always do. But when we read, I've really been trying to you know act out some of the action words or talking in different character voices. So just trying to put a new spin on things to keep him involved Um you know, since we're not leaving the house. Um, and, you know, while it's it has been really stressful trying to juggle work and parenting and teaching, you know, my kids, I have really enjoyed seeing them learn and grow through these activities in a way that, you know, I ha- haven't been able to necessarily before. So while, you know, it's stressful, it has also been um, kind of a blessing in a weird, in a way. Well, it's, it's, important to find the ways in which we can be positive and find what we can be grateful about in this time, which may lead into talking more about your session. (laughs) Um, So it's called Gratitude and Movement. What can you tell us more about Gratitude and Movement? Absolutely. Um, So it's a dance workshop. Um, It's designed for educators, teaching artists, and arts integration teachers. So if you have a lot of experience, great. If you are someone who just needs to move your body, that's also great as well. Um, We'll explore some movement um, as a vehicle for reflection and finding gratitude. So we're going to dance. We'll create some choreography. But then we're also going to take some time to reflect on all the positive things that surround us during this crazy time um, of the quarantine and use that as inspiration for our movement. So I'm really looking forward to it. Now, um, Dana Parsons' uh, workshop, which is on April 23rd, uh, is draws largely on its movement from, uh, uh, yoga. Uh, I think she's going to guide people through various asanas. Uh, what is, what's some of the basis for your movement? Is it something like, uh, Laban or Alexander technique or. So it's not going to draw on a specific, um, codified technique. It is going to focus on modern dance. I really want this to be accessible to all different kinds of movers. So I didn't want to focus on primarily one technique in modern dance for people who may not have experience in it before. So it is a modern dance workshop. If you've never taken a modern dance workshop before, that's also okay. You're welcome to come and just move and, you know, be in the space as well. That's really wonderful. I I think one of the things that that we all are struggling with is being able to be comfortable in a space that we are spending far too much time in. Absolutely. So maybe yeah. moving ourselves differently through the space will will help people to recognize that space differently. Uh maybe have to reconfigure it in order to make enough space to move and maybe that will lead to some new discoveries as well. Absolutely. And you know, I've really been trying on a daily basis to find opportunities for movement just for myself personally and for me the hardest struggle has been trying to find the space is fine but it's the time the time of when I can do it where there aren't a lot of you know children and 
my dog running around. And so I just, I have learned to embrace the craziness and just use it, you know, and just use it and go with it. So I'm really, I am, I'm really excited about the workshop. It's, it sounds like it's going to be wonderful. And, uh, it's going to be happening again on uh, Wednesday, April 29th from 2 p.m. to 2.45 p.m. Lacey, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you. And thank you so much for having me today. I'm really looking forward to the workshop. Thank you for listening to the Embrace podcast. For more information on arts education in Maryland schools, visit aems-edu.org. To learn more about the Embrace series and how to register for a session, go to msdefinearts.org. Stay safe and stay creative.